Welcome back to OT and Chill, all things occupational therapy with me, Kwaku. On the episode today, I'm speaking to the hip hop OT, Dr. Jian Jones, to see how she's exploring the hip hop culture and its relation to occupational therapy. We start the conversation with Dr. Jian just explaining who she is and how she got into the profession. Let's get right into it. Okay, um, so I would say I am the vibe, Quaco. You know, I just show up and people vibe. But no, no, no. In in all honesty, um, my name is Gian Jones. I am an occupational therapist in um, Tallahassee, Florida, which is in the United States. Um, I currently work at a um, within the university system in the state of Florida. I work at Florida Agricultural and Mechanical University. It is a HBCU that stands for Historically Black College. Can you just so, pause there for a second? I, like I, again, I don't really know the because I know if my a lot of my listeners are from the UK. What, okay. What, what does that mean, and why? Why is it like again? Yeah, you might have to expand on it. A historical black college, like why is that even a thing? If you can just expand a little bit. So, a historically black college and or university is a university that was established for black people majority well all of these institutions were created in the 1800s or early 1900s because of segregation so african americans could not go to you know pwis predominantly white institutions and so these institutions were created primarily in the south we do have howard university which is up north in washington dc but primarily in the south to teach black individuals to form. So they were mainly just to teach us about agricultural because agriculture because you know just associated with the history of of America we were farmers we helped to I would say dissect and and carve out a good amount of areas and crops that we still eat from today. And so those schools were to just train black people about farming. Um, but over time, these schools have transitioned and transformed and evolved to um, full out inst- full out universities. Some are still colleges where they're offering many, many degrees at FAMU. I don't remember the exact number, but within the School of Allied Health Sciences, which is the, the school that I work in within our overall university, we have um, six programs, one being occupational therapy, which is a master's level program. So historically, Black College or University is an institution that was established based out of segregation, dividing white people from Black people. And it was a way to educate Black people on farming and agriculture. But with us being so inventive, we got more into engineering and chemistry and different things like that. Um, so, yes, that's what HBCU is. Gosh, it's so it's so so interesting. I, and I and again, that really because it's so different to experiences in here in the UK in terms of our university and college uh, system. So, thanks for expanding expanding on that. And I, and I suppose it again thinking about that that will shape how you feel about yourself and the culture and how. Yeah, it's just a lot. It's a lot. <laughs> when, when I think about the the US, it's, it's a lot of things to even think about as 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 a person, and then you move into occupational therapy, which is that's not a thing that we knew about from back in the day, if it makes sense. So yeah, if you can just yeah, carry on to, to, to tell me about the job that you you do and how you find yourself um, doing what you do. Thank you. So um, 
my identity, you know, we, we have different aspects of our identity or we compartmentalize different identities that we may present from or present as, as occupational beings. And one of those identities is, of course, that of a Black woman, but I'm also a hip-hop identity. I identify with hip-hop. And there's an author title, um, or his name is Bakari Kitwana. And he talks about the hip-hop generation. And those are individuals born between 1965 and 1984. Um, now, that's the first hip-hop generation. First, that's what he says first. But there are multiple um, generations from that first generation. And so I am a hip-hop generationer. And that means that I grew up, like I came of age as hip-hop, um, within the states was coming of age so it has it has influenced me a lot which i would say is one of the reasons why i decided to once removing myself from the clinic or transitioning from um, acute care i worked in acute care um after i became um registered by the 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 state so we get registered nationally and then we have to then become licensed within each state within the U.S. I um, worked within acute care but then I transitioned into academia and that's working at the university level and so working at HBCU has um, allowed me in a way to feel a bit more comfortable over time right because you still have um, respectability politics but a lot more comfortable over time just exuding who I am authentically and the students, regardless of um, race, have identified with that approach. And that has helped me to present as a, a better educator. So I am an OT. I'm also an educator within academia at an HBCU in the United States. And um, I call myself the, the hip hop OT that stems from the mindful hip hop scholar. So while I was you know, completing my um, doctorate, my dissertation was on how I embodied hip hop identity and if that empowered black students. And um, the, the results indicated that it empowered them. And I also looked into what empowered them. What about my hip hop identity empowered them? Now, that was what was surprising. I thought that they were just going to speak on me putting pictures and lyrics of Drake in the PowerPoint or me connecting um, Fetty Wap to a disability, visual disability within a course was a way that they felt empowered because they related to the information. But it was that overall embodiment piece. It was the way that I spoke to them. It was the lingo or language that I used, which was from hip hop culture. It was the way that I dressed, the aesthetic piece. It was the way that I wore my hair. Right now it's in a puff. I can wear an afro. I can wear a twist out. I can have braids. And they associated that with hip hop and or black culture. And then like if I wore bamboo earrings or um, earrings with the continent of Africa um, on there that related them, I mean, to them that aligned specifically with with hip hop. And so that is why I call myself the, the hip hop OT. I am bridging hip hop to meaningful occupations because with, with hip hop being a um, phenomenon or a culture, there are behaviors, there's customs, there are things and activities that are meaningful to us within hip hop culture. And I just want to create a positive narrative that is infused with meaning and, and purpose with hip hop so that we can feel comfortable as hip hop generationers or individuals that identify with hip hop and engaging in the occupations that we engage in each day. And even if we don't directly participate in a hip hop occupation, hip hop is 
influencing the environment somehow indirectly. And so I just want to speak more about that. So that's why I am the hip hop OT. Well, we're, we're glad to have someone that <laughs> identifies as that because you're you're then going to really, really look into what that occupation and the meaning attached to it. So I wonder if it's worth spending some time to think about, let's break down that occupation or music. Let's just say, think about it as music first and then we can break down the the different aspects of the actual culture because it's, it's bigger than just the music, isn't it? So there's many aspects to it. I think you talked about it different ways in terms of the hair, the language, the generations, the different generations, and then how the different generations might behave in terms of how that generation was set up. So in, I think you, you talked about the, the first generation and in their role in, or the understanding of hip hop is probably completely different to how this current generation uh, receives hip hop and how even it's been broken down into different subcultures within the different genres of hip hop. <laughs> it's very big. So yeah, let's start with that kind of the hip hop. What 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 is the hip hop culture? When when you when you say that, All right? So hip hop culture is a body of people, or it includes a body of people that express themselves in a certain way that has a lot to do with the environment that this body of people may be from right so when i say a body of people that doesn't mean that the body of people all have to be together that just means that these bodies of people that may be in different places um are demonstrating the same behaviors the same practices and may have the same beliefs now may that does that stem from somewhere else for the most part yes in in the states i would say I would imagine that this is something globally we can that's similar. But um, speaking from my perspective from the states, it comes from um, being oppressed and being excluded historically. And so hip hop was birthed from not having. Right. So we don't have. Therefore, we're going to hop over here and create so that we can be hip, so that we can have something that we engage in that's meaningful to us. And so hip hop came to be because of that lack thereof or because things were taken away and people started to advocate. They're like, look, we're tired of this. Give give us what, what we need. And if you're not going to give it to us, we're going to take it. And that taking we talked about on uh, the other episode was, you know, you're not going to you're taking away art from from the school systems. Then we're going to have to create our own art programs. And so hip hop and these bodies of people, to me, were um, were created out of the nothing, turning nothing into something. And it just started to evolve from there. And so the body of people not having um, what was equal to them, not having um, equitable treatment, decided to create that for themselves, which is advocacy, self-advocacy, something that's important, something that we teach within OT, right? Um, Something that we talk about within occupational science. And they started to advocate, but they did it over rhythm. They did it with a beat and they did it with the flow. And it just became this phenomenon that um, was a bit, it was taken advantage of because People saw that money could be made from this art, but we cannot take away from the fact that it was allowing individuals to tell their stories while participating in meaningful, purposeful activities. So that's that's what, you know, in, in the context of our conversation, I would say that is what hip hop culture is. It is taking nothing and turning it into something. It's like we're, we're alchemists. Everybody that identifies with with hip hop 
can um, be considered practicing alchemy. You know, I'm going to take, you know, that book by Polo Kulo, I'm going to take copper and turn it into gold or lead and turn it into gold. That's what was <laughs> said in the text. So <laughs> that's what hip hop is. Is Hip hop is alchemy. And it was birthed from just making something valuable out of, of out of nothing at all. Mm. And this, that's so interesting because then linking it back to humans in general, and how humans, we are very creative beings. Uh, because if you think about everything around us, surrounding us, someone somewhere has had to think about it and then create it for it to happen. And, you know, if, if you talk about our roads, if you talk about technology, if you talk about food, if you talk, a- a- anything, anything. So it's, we are generally creative people. So to be faced with injustice or to be faced with being excluded from the wider, uh, well, from society in general and actually thinking I, I need this for myself, I need to create for myself, really pushes you into that corner to, to do something. And I always, and we adapt, don't we? Humans, we're quite adaptable people. Um, one of the things that I always link it back to my work in the prison, I think I always think to myself, like I, I cannot imagine myself being in a prison, like uh, incarcerated. Like, I just I just can't imagine it. But you know, there's a thin line between freedom and, <laughs> and incarceration in this world. But you, when I work with the other people that I work with, and I think to myself, how have they adjusted so well to live in this environment? It's because in humans, we're able to adapt and create spaces for ourselves that we're able to live yeah you might not want to might not live as happily as you want to be living in that in that sense in environments but you've been able to use your mind and all the powerful things that we can use and 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 bring about change if it makes sense that's the main thing you've you've created something and something new and it's made the change to something that wasn't there before so that culture is i'm guessing even thinking about that first generation it's brought along a lot of changes right Thinking back to that first generation, what kind of things do you reckon the hip hop cultures brought about that we didn't have before or the influences they've had, um, let's say? Okay, so I would say, you know, earlier on, hip hop was was something that brought us joy and it's something that that brought us closer together. So um, hip hop was about peace, love and having fun. Right. So. If it's about peace, love, and having fun, that's because I'm trying to make sure that I'm staying out of trouble, even though things were taken away from me. With that being said, that was what the first generation of hip hop knew. Even if they didn't know the specific components of hip hop, that it was it was felt in the in the music initially, um, from the hip hop, hip it, hip it to the hip, hip hop, and don't stop. You know, that's fun. It's it's like upbeat, and we just we're, we're dancing. Right. And then you have broken glass everywhere. People, you know, using the bathroom on the corner like they just don't care. That's describing that's less fun. That's more so describing my environment and how this isn't fair. But we're still living. We're still here. You know, so there's still this positivity in a way um, when telling the story. But then over time, um, within that same first generation of, of hip hop, according to um, Kitwana, there were more rugged stories being told because of what was happening in the neighborhoods of New York. And then when you go to California with NWA and then you take it down to Texas and then you go over to the state of Georgia and Atlanta and then you have the Midwest. The same thing is happening in in the communities, which is um, from their stories is over policing. And then you have the drug 
epidemic that continued to come in and flooded the the neighborhoods. And then you have individuals that's like, well, there's an opportunity for me to make money off of these individuals here, which which mirrors society. And hopefully I'm not getting too deep into it. But um, and when I say mirrors society, you have the, the capitalistic piece. So, I mean, this was happening. But from that, you have stories to be told. And so these individuals told stories. So you have the the Jay-Z that's going to tell the story from the distributor dealer perspective. And then you have individuals like Nas, who is going to tell the story of his brother as a person that's that's selling. But also he talks about people that he loved that got addicted to drugs. And so that's another aspect of the first generation. And then that transitioned to an offspring generation, right? And so, and that's when you have um, the bad boy and the mace and the and the biggie and stuff like that. And that transitions um, into the the Nelly era, where you know it's, we're getting hot in here and and the country grammar type thing. And as hip hop continues to evolve, the story in a way remains the same, but the money is put into I would say truly one one aspect of hip hop, or I would say one genre. And that genre was associated with drug culture, which is now overly, it it saturates (laughs) hip hop culture or hip hop in itself, because that's not what hip hop started for. It's just those stores were pushed to the, to the mainstream. And so that's what's associated with hip hop. So hopefully that was a, a, a good analogy or a good illustration of how hip hop has has transitioned or evolved over time from that first generation to the generation that we have now and went from um, peace, love and having fun to telling stories. Right. And those stories were associated with both good and bad story of the distributor of, of drugs to the consumer of drugs to what would occur from that to now what we have, which I mean, yeah. it includes violence, it includes drug use. But I mean, there is also still music that that happens to tell really good stories that relate to, I would say, everyday in- individuals. Mm. And I will end with this. Although hip hop has evolved from one thing to another, it still reflects everything that happens globally in the world. Yeah. So yeah. that's, yeah. I think you've, yeah, you've, you've ended it well. And then you're able to, uh, I think you've captured it well, the transition is made over time. And not to say that it hasn't, like, 100%, it hasn't lost this influence. Because I think it still influences a lot of the different types of genres of music, but ultimately people find it meaningful. Which, whichever way you look at it, however it's transitioned, people find it as a meaningful occupation. Either actively participating in making the music, participating in using the music as a product to move your body, as a product to motivate you to engage in an occupation. There's diff- it covers different aspects of it and then also because of its influence on different type of cultures everyone like you said was experiencing injustices right in, in in different areas but maybe it wasn't highlighted as much until something was created that then people align themselves and yeah I've got a voice now I can talk about what's happening in my area so if it's if it's happening in 10 different areas and everyone's talking about it it's more highlighted than if it's happening and if it's, if it's no one is talking about it, let's just say. But ultimately, when it, where it comes down to is the human component of it and the occupational being and how we engage with the music 
or how engaged with the culture. And I know, I, I don't know if I'm, it sounds wrong, but I, I know hip hop probably was generated in the, would they be right to say, in the black culture and the black identity and, and, uh, some of the difficulties that black people were experiencing at that time uh, in like the first generation would that would i be correct in saying that if i heard you correctly i would say yes i do want to mention something earlier like just a few moments ago i said peace love and having fun i left out left out one of the most important components which is unity it's peace love unity and having fun you know to keep us together and now I lost my train of thought. Kwaku, I'm sorry. Will you ask the question? No, I, and I was just asking about how the the culture was generated in in predominantly in the, in the black culture and the black and some of the injustices that people were experiencing. And if I'm was right in saying that, that's that's true. Absolutely, at 100. percent Yes, <laughs> um, which is where <laughs> that storytelling component came from, which is where that social justice advocacy piece came from, which I related within occupation to occupational justice and injustices. You know, um, if with occupational justice, that means that individuals have the means to participate in meaningful and, and purposeful activities. But if we are impoverished, if we have a lower socioeconomic status, if we live in food deserts, if we don't have locations of recreation, if we don't have access, then that is where that that's those are instances of occupational injustice. And so um, that is what hip hop has spoke about from the very beginning of, t- of time of hip hop. Right. And so um, and I would say that occupational therapy was before hip hop. So these stories are talking about these occupational injustices that have been associated with with living historically as a black person within the world. But, you know, from my perspective and in terms of talking about hip hop, I would say within the United States, not that it's not happening everywhere where else I just have um, less of an experience, a personal experience, which is why I'm so glad to be connecting with you and what you do so that I can get more of a global um, a worldview yeah. of that connection between hip hop and, and the yeah. black community. Definitely. And, uh, and one of the things that I really value uh, in terms of using music and using hip hop culture or understanding of it is that when I've worked with a lot of people, they've def- definitely found hip hop exclusively or different sub um, genres of hip hop as a, as a meaningful occupation. A lot of the young people that I worked with um, in the prison, I've really liked uh, the drill type music or real rap. Um, yeah, sometimes it's very much at one point in, in the UK the government wanted to ban drill because they were saying that it was happening it was having too much of an influence on violence and the knife crime rates and everything like that but then some people will counter that and say actually I'm using that as self-expression because of the what I'm seeing around me so because one person can listen to something and and hear something completely different and be influenced by something completely different than listening to something and actually acting upon it and it, it, that's another whole <laughs> argument has <laughs> a whole uh, argument and uh, that uh, or discussion that i've had with some of the men that i i work with and actually they say yeah i don't like, i don't see that part of it it's just that's this is my reality and this is the way that i want to tell the story and if i'm saying and it's coming across as um bragging about it or glamorizing it it's not my intention it's just my reality and that's what i that's what i see around me every single day so it's it's a difficult one because as occupational therapists i have to be or we have to be able to look at all aspects of someone's life but we have to look at what is meaningful to them I, i can't pick and choose just because someone decides to talk about violence that they don't actually find violence 
or or drug dealing as a, as a meaningful occupation. Okay, it might not be the best thing for your health and well-being, uh, uh, and ultimately it might cause you to end up in prison, which some of these boys are. But actually, at some point in your life, it it, it provided value for you. But how can we use that in a in a in a, a different way <laughs> to try to get you to see you in a different light that won't be cause you to lose your access to freedom and that's the main thing that they they want so whilst we're there we use we talk about music and the impact of music on them and actually give them an opportunity to produce music that is reflects their their story in prison or actually gets a bit deeper than just the environment that they're living in and their occupations that they they um, were engaging in, in the community so like i said i think music is a or hip-hop definitely uh, it's a massive thing that people align themselves with in terms of their culture and identity. Do you see that or have you seen that in your doctorate thesis that you, you put together? Absolutely. Um, the students here. So I would say that that hip hop has been a global influence, but I'm still doing research globally. Right. I'm still doing reading and traveling and, and the sorts. But I'd especially here in the States, hip hop influences so many things. It influences education, fashion, the automobile industry, food that we eat. Um, a couple of weeks ago, I gave a lecture on in a course called Food and People within um, the nutrition science program on food and, and hip hop, but I'm speaking from the, the occupational sense, right? So um, I'm talking about food because we, we intake food, which is feeding, eating, it's an ADL, basic ADL, to acquire the, the substance or acquire the substance that we need in order to thrive. There are so many songs that talk about that talk about food in a way. And has those songs influenced you to um, want a particular food, or has it influenced you to want to engage in a specific type of fellowship over food? So Nas has um, he's an artist here, and he has a song called Brunch on Sundays. And so that song, listening to it, I know for me, it makes me want to go out and enjoy brunch with my closest friends because he's talking about the fun time that you have while you are enjoying brunch. He's talking about mimosas and waffles and the type of music that is being played during this cultural leisure activity, right? And it could be cultural based on whatever culture you belong to, but brunch in specific cultures may be different because of the food that may be present or presented. And so um, I have seen that going back to what it is that I do within academia I brought that to the research space for myself and within the College of Education, um, the research that I did, they considered to be innovative um, and something new because I, again, I observed myself, right? Um, as an autoethnographer, I collected data, journal reflections, um, pictures, I, write, I wrote out music, I took down quotes that were associated with conversations that I had. And I, um, I looked at specific themes over three months from that internal data that I collected. But then I also had a focus group and I asked students in the program, as well as those that graduated from the occupational therapy program about certain things that in included hip hop. Did you see hip hop in the classroom? How did you see hip hop in the classroom? What did that mean for you? And that data to me was a lot stronger than the personal data that I was able to give out, not in terms of the, the overall results or the findings, but in listening to um, how influential hip hop is for them and not just because of what I presented, but what they already came to the program with. And so their coming of age, another conversation you and I had, um, things that you listened to when you were younger, things that I listened to when I was younger, things that associated us with the identity that felt most at home. The students 
expressed during this data collection that they were able to incorporate aspects of themselves of their selves that that was associated with hip hop culture and implement that in the classroom, which in turn helped them to get, get obtain the knowledge better because they were comfortable. So basically there was a safe space that was created for them to be themselves and that safe space incorporated that, that tone of hip hop. They already came in as hip hop identities. And so they were able to, to, I would say, perform better because of their environment. Mm. And so that just told me that, not just K through 12 can have hip hop ed because that is a, a thing. Um, there's a lot of research on that, but also in academia in an area such as occupational therapy, hip hop can be meaningful to the students and it could also help to produce a better result. You know, in OT, we have therapeutic use of self. Um, that's all I was using. I was just using therapeutic use of self, but that gave the students permission to use their own therapeutic use of self as it related to hip hop and hip hop culture. And so I have seen it within my um, my research while getting my doctorate, but also as I continue to to use hip hop as an instructional practice, it, it appears to be quite helpful for the students because they identify with it. I love, I love that because I think we talk a lot about representation and how much representation matters and how relaxed you feel when you know that someone is either similar to you or has the same values as you or has an understanding maybe even not representing but has an understanding of where you're from or your identity or your culture because then it allows you to be able to express yourself without any doubts without any trying to put barriers in your own way if it makes sense because you're not thinking that I'm, I'm, I want to express myself this way but if I express myself this way this person or other people in the, in the room might not get it or the way I speak um, I have to tone it down because I, need, I want everyone to understand me better. Uh, so all these things uh, make such a big difference in how relaxed people can be, especially students, because we're nervous as students as we're, we're studying already, because you ultimately want to pass your course and graduate. That's the main thing. Actually, sometimes we can have difficulties in terms of relaxing and feeling that we're understood by the people that are teaching us or people that are marking us. So. You, you coming from where you're coming from and obviously you're given the context of the type of university you work in anyway I think allows people to be a bit more free in their thinking and not be judged in the way they might speak or dress or present as themselves when they come into university so I think it's a wonderful thing that you're you're doing in your classroom I would love you to give me a bit of a, a snapshot yeah of how your class is like or how you've used direct um, hip-hop in I know you gave an example of using Fetty Wap as, uh, as an example but is there any other things that you've done that you think okay I remember this specifically because the students got it because I used uh, direct things from um, hip-hop culture and, and music and everything like that to to engage them in learning Absolutely. So we know about the cipher, right? A cipher is when people, you know, come together and um, have a conversation, but it is, um, you know, we rapping. So if I wanted to have a cipher with you, Kwaku, I would just start out by, I don't know, saying something like I just having a conversation rapping. I was about to start freestyling, but <laughs> so um, you, might I, give us, you might have to give us a freestyle before we end though, if that's what you, if that's what you want to do. <laughs> okay. Um, okay. So I've um, in class while learning about um, medication management for the adult population or older adults, I 
challenge the class to come up with a method to help assist with compliance in taking medication or managing the medication. Um, and so, of course, they are educating the, the client that they're working with on um, ways to make it easier to complete that occupation. And so I just gave them, I'm thinking, okay, you can wrap it, you can write a poem, you can create an acronym, whatever you need to do to make sure that your client um, completes this task because it's important for them. These medications are important. And there are about five groups. And I would say four out of the five groups wrapped. Four out of the five, <laughs> um, four out of the five groups wrapped. And so that is an example of, of what occurred. Now, I did give that example of, um, I did give the example of, okay, you can rap, you can sing, you can use an acronym, but you have, you have full freedom, you know, to do what it is that you need to do. And it's interesting that four out of the five groups wrapped their, um, their acronym. So they put two things together. I remember, um, there is, um, an artist by the name of, um, Webby and he is from, he's from Texas or New Orleans. I forget exactly where he's from, but he's from the state of Texas or either from the state of Louisiana, but he has this song called independent. And he's like, I N D E P E N D E N T. Do you know what I mean? So the students used that rhythm to come up with whatever specifics they needed to um, to teach the client. And the, the client actually repeated that rhythm back to them. So that was that's an example of um, of how rap has been associated with um, with or how I have incorporated rap or hip hop within the classroom for one specific task. Another one would be I actually have had the students to tell their own stories um, and rap them. Um, as a form of getting in tune with their with with the self, so that they can use that therapeutic use of self um, in helping other individuals. But I will say too, with that one, even if the individual does not identify with hip hop, if they identify more with country or with rock or with pop, I um, make sure that I encourage that as well because it is a it's a safe space. It's just that I identify more with hip hop, so I have challenge them to to write songs in order to express express themselves. I've also incorporated mindful practice. I'm the academic fieldwork coordinator, so I'm that person that places all the students at their fieldwork, right? And so in making sure that students have work-life balance practices in place within the fieldwork class, I have um, provided meditation and yoga to a hip hop playlist. And of course the hip hop that is on the playlist is more lo-fi as, as you mentioned in another conversation, but the students then come to me and say, Hey, you know, Dr. Jones, I created this playlist that helped me um, get through studying for this midterm. And so these are just some ways that I have um, incorporated hip hop within the classroom. And it's also, you know, they, they are practices that they can use outside of the classroom as well. I can go on and on about how what, what I've done, but those are just three instances that came to mind quickly. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's, yeah, that's impressive as well because yeah, you're able to identify that you can use different aspects of the culture to, to teach. I'm sure I've, le I've sort of read somewhere or listened to some research about actually when you use music or uh, to, to, as a way of learning, you tend to retain the information a, a lot more so yeah if, if the students are choosing to rap it or if they are even going to use a, a particular that intervention of in actual fieldwork practice or actual um, practice um, and obviously if it's meaningful to that person they're working with that's a way of 
teaching uh, new skills to new people that you work with. And I think I think occupational therapists in general are quite dynamic and and quite creative. So using different ways to, to uh, get the work done is 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 very valued, and I think it's very very important um, with that. So I want to ask a couple of things before we we end uh, this conversation about yourself and how meaningful i know you've probably touched upon it a little bit earlier about hip-hop um how how much meaning it it has to you now and how much it's gonna have for you you think going forward thank you for asking that question i'll start with during my dissertation defense one of my committee members asked me what are you going to do if hip-hop dies and i remember telling her um you know, hip hop isn't going to die. It's just going to transform and continue to evolve. And she loved that response because it is, you know, that's what jazz has done. That's what rock has done. And hip hop is now part of popular culture. So it's just going to evolve as it has. But I feel like as a hip hop identity, being that the culture is important to me, it's I have to do my work to to make it to to bring positive influence and positive lights to it. And so um, who I was before in hip hop was just a consumer of it, you know, there's hip hop play where, you know, I, I said something about the ciphers. And so I would produce in that way in terms of play as a cultural leisure activity, but that I was just a consumer. But now as a researcher that incorporates hip hop and how I've deemed myself this hip hop scholar, I'm a producer in a way. I may be producing in a different way, but I am a producer. And so what I see is as an individual that identifies with hip hop as a hip hop generation or in as a hip hop gatekeeper, I am producing research so that individuals can acquire and obtain knowledge about authentic hip hop, because not all music that we consume or all of the music videos that we watch aren't representative of authentic hip hop. It's a, a component, right? Regardless of, of what it is, it's a component um, but it doesn't define the entire culture. And so I am in, now and in the future a producer within hip hop and I'm producing research. Um, I am for OT month here in the um, States, which is the month of April. I have created a um, summit. It's called the Hip Hop and Occupation Summit. It is um, April 13th. And there are two parts. The first part is is a lecture and it's um, titled It Was All a Dream. You know, so I'm paying homage to Notorious B.I.G. And it is connecting hip hop to meaning. Right. And so I'm explaining the different aspects of occupation that are directly related to hip hop culture and what this will continue to look at, look like as more information comes about or surfaces with this work. Um, and then part two is a panel discussion um, later on that evening from 6.30 to 7.30 Eastern Standard Time. I believe that's 10.30 to 11.30 GMT. <laughs> um, but that panel discussion is titled, Don't Let Me Be Misunderstood. And, and don't, the O and the T are bolded and underlined because... I feel like uh, OT can be misunderstood because we're still like advocating so much about our profession and defining it for people because it's so broad and making sure that we have a presence in the clinical world, but also in the community because we do so much um, for occupational beings, including ourselves. But it's also, you know, don't get it twisted. Hip hop and occupation together exist. And I am having individuals from um, the world of nutrition and food science, because that's that eating component, as I spoke about earlier. I have someone from 
from community health that does community work to connect hip hop to community work and what they have, how they have used hip hop. And I have um, an African-American historian who's going to come on and talk about that social justice piece. And I'm going to tie in occupational justice to that. And it's just more operationalization of what hip hop and occupation is. And so to close out (laughs) this response, I am a producer within hip hop, but I'm producing scholarship for people to obtain more knowledge about the culture and about the phenomenon so that it can just continue to be pushed in a more positive way. No, that's that sounds that sounds amazing. I mean, is 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 that lecture and panel is that available to is that open to everyone? Is it is it free to access? Is it um yeah and then and then how can people find it if they want to look for it? Absolutely. The lecture is actually on campus at at my university. I didn't think about making a hybrid, but I can at this point. The panel, though, is via Zoom, via registration. And it is free because it's about promoting OT, but um, also promoting hip hop as well, because April is also National Poetry Month. Right. And so, you know, you have spoken word poetry or Rapping, you know, it's just it's it's, it's the same word, thing. <laughs> right over me. Some people may argue that, but I, that's that's the definition for me. And so, um, it's about bringing the two, these two um components together. And so, yes, I can send that information to you. I would absolutely love. I know it's it's late for you all, but I would absolutely love if you all could attend because you could add so much to the conversation in itself. It's not just about the panelists, but it's also about other individuals um, giving light from their experience because that's what that's what occupation is. It's meaning and purpose and we don't have meaning and purpose without the people no, explaining. Of course. of course. No, that's fantastic. Right. Now, lastly, lastly, and one of the things that I ask people occupational therapists uh, occupational scientists on podcasts is that what's one thing that you know now that you have told yourself when you first started the degree or your studies uh, what would you tell yourself you know I love that question to be authentic from the beginning and trust that who you are is enough yeah and I say that because I've had this this inkling for a while to combine the two or I've wanted to just represent myself as myself within um, every space. And I feel like in the clinic, I was able to do that when I became an autonomous therapist, but I wasn't able to exhibit, you know, hip hop identity or having this interest to include hip hop in my practice or in my learning. So I did not do that in school, even though I attended an HBCU to obtain my OT degree. But that's what I would tell myself. I would tell my younger self when I decided to embark upon OT studies in the profession to show up authentic, like show up as yourself and trust yourself. You are enough as you are, because now, you know, this work, people will say that it's innovative. And I'm like, I could have got a lot more done if I would have started earlier. Um, But all things happen for a reason. And I am exactly where I need to be right now. That is what I would tell my younger self oh, when yes. I decided to become an OT. Uh, yeah, I think a lot, a couple of people have said similar things along those lines. But again, it's, we live we live in a time. Time dictates um, knowledge and learning and everything. Else. So we can't rush. We can't rush things. Uh, so, where, where, how can people access any work that you've done? Where can people find you? Where can people listen? I know you've got podcasts. So tell tell us about that um, podcast. Or so where can people listen to it? 
Okay, so um, I do have a podcast, 215s. It's the, it's the podcast where hip-hop, occupation, and identity collide, and we have conversations about um, hip-hop from different disciplines. And so as, a, as an OT, I you know, connect hip-hop. No, I connect the OT component to the responses about, about hip-hop. And so that is um, on Apple Podcasts as well as Spotify. For now, also on Instagram, 215's podcast. It is the word to T-W-O 15's podcast. I am also, it's Gian Jones, I-T-S-J-I-A-N-J-O-N-E-S on Instagram. But I am also um, the hip hop OT and it is on Instagram. And so that's T-H-E dot hip hop dot OT on Instagram. So yeah, that's that's how you can find me on Instagram. Um, if you go to Google Scholar and type in Gion Jones, J-I-A-N-J-O-N-E-S, some some stuff should pop up. Um, it doesn't automatically populate right away, but um, there is some work on there by me. And then I have a, a website, gionjones.com, J-I-A-N-J-O-N-E-S, and that explains a little bit about me and um and what I do within my business outside of academia, which I mean, they're interrelated. So, um, yeah, that's that's how you can can find me. Um, Instagram, those three handles, Google Scholar <laughs> and then the podcast <laughs> and yep, the podcast and then um, the website, GionJones.com. Ah, fantastic. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to even speak to me about it. And I, I really do appreciate it because, again, you, like you said, people might think it's innovative, but it's just we, we need to keep exploring different areas and different occupations a little bit more because I think, um, yeah, sometimes we might have moved away from that a little bit. So we just need to carry on these kind of conversations and, and open up to the wider society more but if you want to give us a freestyle you're 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 you're, you're free to do that if not that's okay it, that's okay um, <laughs> let me see. like i you know it's it's like when you I, I think in another conversation i told you like i grew up in church it's like when you catch the spirit it has to happen right then right yeah. um let me see if if i can just naturally come up with something um now nothing's coming to me right now oh i can cool. spit a poem can i spit a poem yeah please do please do okay let's close so, out here. Uh, <laughs> So I'm a, you know, I'm a educator and I'm also a mom and I'm an occupational therapist, but I also slang dope. Dope better than any drug you can ever imagine. Dope so up there is beyond high fashion and the price of it. Dope that gets you higher beyond belief and fills your veins with happy feelings like Frankie Beverly and Mays. Dope stronger than opioids with the strength of performance enhancement drugs. No form of THC can beat the dope that I'm slanging. It's harder than crack cocaine in the 80s, but my dope it don't break up families. It can help you win Grammys, though. Without the next morning hangover or remorse, then the course with what I'm pushing because alcoholism ran in my family. So I had to be one to get in on some of what my people was on, but their dope of choice was wrong. You see, my dope is not hope, nor is it a mechanism to cope. My dope is standing prayers floating on hands and knees mid air. I'm pushing passion towards purpose with a mission to succeed. I'm pushing self-reflection, self-awareness and self-identity because I'm your pusher woman. Sort of like Curtis Mayfield and Pusha T, but the white that I'm pushing is 1000% purity right for your soul that's been left for your direction with no needle injections. I think the neighbors think I'm selling dope. And guess what, K-Coop? 
I am. So when the feds come to kick in my dough, I'll be standing there waiting to let them know. Yes, I'm that queen pen dope slanger, the biggest fear of your dreams. I've been trapping my people with blue magic and miracles, causing them to believe in their truth. So I invite you to come and get high with me because I get high off my own supply and product, causing visions to be clear yet sprinkled with angel dust. I'm yo dope slanger. Wow. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. That's amazing. Oh, that's a perfect place to end it and relax it. I hope I wish you a wonderful, wonderful day. And I really hope that people engage with your content and, and reach out to you and just find out more about um, exactly what you do. So thank you. So thank you so much. Thank you. I appreciate you. Oh, thank you again, Dr. Gian giving me the opportunity to discuss all the things that you're doing in relation to hip-hop and occupational therapy guys don't forget to join her webinar about hip-hop and occupational therapy in april which is the ot month over in the u.s and also follow all her social media handles to just keep up to date with what she's doing in the meantime make sure you are sharing this podcast with friends and family who may be interested in it and until next time stay safe